Hey everybody, welcome back to the Extra Podcast. This is episode number 284. My name is Paul Siemens, one of the pastors here at Northview. And around this table, I am joined by Ezra. Hi guys. Welcome back, Ezra. Hi, it's good to be back. This is Jeff. You've I'm been here. gone for a while. Yes, yeah, it's, been, it's been a while. Yeah. And welcome Andy's back. here too. Merry Christmas. Ezra, it's nice to have you sitting at the table joining us. Yeah, it's good to be back. Good, good to have all you here. So it's the last week before Christmas. Only a few days left. Everybody's getting excited. My kids are. Their, hey? My kids are. Yeah. Aren't you, Jeff? Yeah, no, I am excited. I always find that the week leading up to Christmas is uh, both busy and enjoyable. Do you get ty- Do you get sad after Christmas? Do I? Uh, Post-Christmas blues? Yeah. I get them. Do you? I do. I don't. No, I do too. I, I such a big, big day, big deal. And the problem here it's too over. is, see, when you live in the southern hemisphere, uh, the day after Christmas is all full of awesome. Boxing Day is a day that you go and you sit on the beach or you hang out with your friends and have mm-hmm. some, you know, leftover or whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and then you have basically summer from that moment until yes, March, April, sir. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Here. Florida is the same way. All you have in front of you is like sun going down at four thirty. If it even came up. If it came up, and and in a just, whole bucket of cold, and the knowledge that it probably will <laughs> snow again, or at least freezing rain most of the next three months. Yeah. yeah. And that's hard. It's hard to face. Oh, it is. The gray. Yeah. The constant gray. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so, yeah, I get the I get the. Andy, post-Christmas have you ever lived blues. anywhere where there wasn't constant gray? Because you grew up in Portland, right? Um, well, I was born in Redding, California. Oh, okay. And then when I did my master's degree, I was living in Los Angeles. Oh, so nice. how long did you live in uh, Redding before you moved? Five years. Okay, so you Redding still a young is part. one of the hottest places on the planet. It is yeah. not one of the hottest it places. It is on the one of the hottest places on the planet. It. Is, I think it has like second. I'm making this up. I'm just pulling this out. I would of, like out somebody. Of you're totally. I would like that. somebody. Second hottest yeah, temperature second hottest ever. ever. I would like somebody yeah. out there to <laughs> fact check Andy on the hottest place in the planet. It's yeah. got to be the Sahara Desert, but I'm saying yes. right under Death that Valley, is Redding, California. California. <laughs> and the Death Valley of shit. <laughs> is it but desert? Redding is but not. But it's hot. Yeah, it's desert. It's oh, hot. Yeah, that place it's is hot. not desert. Yeah. It is desert. What is wrong with Jeffrey, you? Jeffrey, were you born do you, there? Do you know Redding, California? <laughs> I was hey, born he, there. He lived there for it's five the years. Foothills of, he was born there, lived there five years. It's the foothills of Mount Shasta there. Which is gorgeous, by it's the way. Big Shasta trees. Lake, Whiskey Town Lake. Like, stop it. It's not desert. No, it's desert. It's desert, and it's the hottest place, Jeff. Stop <laughs> arguing with him. He was born and lived there for five Dude, years. he's the Donald Trump of this show. Maybe I, he just <laughs> says stuff. Jeff, you're a mess. <laughs> it might be the hottest place for Christian heresy. Wow. There it is. There it is, right there. Anyway. Anyway. But so this is the Christmas. week of Christmas specials. Yeah, Christmas specials. Well, they've been going on all month, but you guys, we've got to talk about some of our favorite Christmas specials here before oh, we get into the did questions. Did you guys see last year's with Bill Murray? Yeah, a very Murray Christmas. No, I didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. It was just sort of, eh. But that's it's a Bill Netflix Murray. thing, right? Yeah, I was expecting, I think, something a little bit more. Isn't that how you always feel with Bill Murray in a movie? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Except for Caddyshack, he nailed that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you go back and watch <laughs> Ghostbusters. He's not actually that funny. No, my favorite just, Christmas uh, movie or our our special. I don't really like a whole lot of them. Uh, they they're all very old, and I watched the the Charlie Brown one a while mm-hmm. ago, and it meanders a lot. 
like Can a I just lot. say Charlie Brown's boring. And most of the Christmas specials that were on years ago, uh, they they were really only like twenty minute shows that they turned into like an hour long because they had like dance and sing numbers. Mm. Have you noticed? Like I watched the Flintstones Christmas special with my kids the other day, <laughs> and that is really not very good. Did no. the Jetsons ever have? Uh, yes, and the Jetsons one actually is pretty good. Oh, it's good. Yeah, okay. I like that one. Yeah, but but there is a little. I I just want to recommend something to all those out there. Mm-hmm. All everyone who's in the Star Wars spirit these days, you oh. know, Rogue One and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I want, you it's need a good to, movie. You need way. to go on YouTube and you need to do a search for the Star Wars Christmas special. Yeah, the full and, version. And you need to go watch yourself five. I, Listen, I'm just going to say, if you can put 10 minutes into that into that show, you will understand very quickly uh, how bad a Christmas special could get. Yeah. It's that bad. The, it yes. it oh, is both the greatest and worst thing you will ever watch. <laughs> wow. It, it is... How long is this show? It's an hour it's and an a hour half. It's an hour and a half oh, long. Oh, mercy. It's the worst Christmas special yes. ever. Yes. And it's, it's funny because it Easy. aired once in 1978, and it never aired again. And if you ask anybody, kind of from the Star Wars, like the, the Star Wars freaks about it, they'll say, "You never happen, never happen." Like worse than the next, the second three movies or whatever. Oh my goodness! They, yeah, they, they don't even. Some people don't even know it's there. But I'm telling you, it makes Jar Jar Binks look like an Oscar award. It's winner. there, dude. And just a little, it's just amazing. a little preview for you. Uh, it starts. It opens up with. Uh, Chewbacca's family, oh his wife, How have I his not wife seen this? Nala, and his son Lumpy, 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 and I can't remember his dad's name. Itchy oh, is the name <laughs> of his father. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he, and he's a gray Wookie. <laughs> and most of the time, and they speak in Wookie. Okay, don't don't yeah, wreck this story. No, they speak in Wookie without any. There's no subtitles, subtitles. So, so you, you don't, don't know what they're saying. They don't know what they're on. saying. They make hand <laughs> gestures and stuff. But you'll notice the very American living room and kitchen. Yeah, and the Lumpy does the dishes. Uh, listen, I am not kidding you. <laughs> how do you right know? Now, this how is, do you know the name's Lumpy? This, they this tell you at the beginning. This is, oh my god! And if you think it's just like oh fake, there's nobody in it. Listen to me, Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah, Harrison plays Luke Ford. Skywalker in it. Yeah. Harrison Ford is Han Solo. Yeah, Carrie James Fisher, Earl Jones voice. James Earl Jones is in this. They're in yeah. this show. Yes. Okay. So listen, your job all you listeners, is to watch a portion of this show. Just a portion? And then reflect upon it for a moment. Yeah. Because it will point... This show is so bad that it'll make you want for a savior. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It shows you the depravity of the man. Of man. Oh, 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 my word. An hour and a half (laughs) of your life that you're not And there's a song near the end, near the end, B. Arthur, who used to be on Golden Girls, B. Arthur in her younger years does a song uh, in the cantina of the. So yep. if you're a Star Wars fan, you know the cantina and the funny looking guys with the clarinets, and like she gets them, they get emotional. So, so you you yeah, watch they, this whole thing? <laughs> no, okay, I, I fast forwarded. Don't don't, yeah. don't don't wreck it for people. <laughs> yeah. Let them watch it. It is. Let them wow. watch it. Let them yeah. watch it. <laughs> Gather the kids around the computer. Tell them it's and Star watch, Wars special. And watch the Star Wars special. Speaking of Tell your kids while. there's a Star Wars Christmas special. They'll be pumped. They and then will. you'll start it and they will go, no, what? Be I great. hate Star Wars now. No, 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 no. Do you guys have a Christmas movie that you gather the kids around and you watch every year? We're on the, 
Uh, yeah, a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. I, a whole bunch of them. But my question for you, Andy, yeah. is you yeah. don't have any, there's no Christmas specials that you like, like the TV specials. You're not into no. the Charlie Brown one. The only one Frosty. I've ever Frosty. watched was the Merry Christmas. That's, really? Yeah, that's what it. In your the, life? What? Where did you, what? You grew up in North America, <laughs> What's right? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you just said you did. Well, unless you're talking like Frosty the Snowman. That, yeah, that's, that's what, what we mean. talking about. That's not a Christmas special, you, man. What? That's just a movie. Again. Dude, it's, it's 20 Christmas minutes long. Movie. Andrew it's Trump is 10 spoken. minutes of commercials. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched Rudolph. I've watched, you know, Frosty the Snowman. Mm-hmm. This is remarkable because I haven't watched any of those. That's not true. It's true. You haven't? No. They didn't show these in Kenya? You haven't nope. seen the Abominable Snowman? See, again, I grew up. I grew up, <laughs> I grew up in a hot... Um, Christmas season yeah. so people didn't stay in the home watching TV we were outside playing and barbecuing and all that so yeah but you've lived, am, you've lived here long enough to, to have seen and know about no. the island of misfit toys I have no idea okay, what that that's is that's just ridiculous I have no idea what that is See, I've never Honestly, considered that a Christmas special I have special. no idea what that is that's a Christmas special I yeah, guess I've just never thought of it that way. I, I don't know what that is. Well, when CBS had their thing come up and it said Christmas special, that didn't give you the <laughs> the, the hint. Anyway. All right. Well, this uh, has been a letdown for me. Okay, so here's my question. Though. Sorry. Okay, so um, I, I would like to enter the Christmas spirit, North American Christmas spirit, you know? So what what should I watch? What's the first thing I would watch? Like, well, the I Star have Wars no Christmas idea. special would be the first thing. <laughs> no. I think the one, by the way, and is my favorite, is Ernest Saves Christmas. Ern- oh. <laughs> that yeah. guy slays me. Yeah, I don't I love. I don't you see what Christmas? I did there. Anybody? I never slay. So oh, the, nice. the the most the <laughs> I most never saw Ernest. The most important uh, Christmas special for uh, for people probably to understand culturally mm-hmm. would be the Charlie Brown Charlie Christmas Brown special. Christmas? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like it's twenty about twenty minutes long. Yeah. And it is really boring. Oh boy! I was gonna say beyond boring. But this is this is not inspiring but, to me. But your kids might really enjoy it uh, because. But you'll understand lots of things culturally about lots of references about the Charlie Brown Christmas uh-huh. special. Anyway, yeah, that's my recommendation. Great one. That is true. There, there is a lot of cultural stuff that comes out of that, like oh, yeah. a Charlie Brown Christmas tree stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. sorts of stuff. Yeah. All right, you guys ready for some questions? Sure. Bring it. All right, we've got one uh, about our the way our culture is going with the transgender movement. So, if I mean, if you guys have followed the news at all, or if you guys have read articles, newspapers, you hear uh, about the stuff going on in the states with laws being created. Even our own in Canada, um, I can't. One of the bills that they just—I don't know if it's law yet, but they were going to pass a bill talking about C sixteen. Yeah, that's one. Thank you talking about the whole transgender issue in bathrooms and all that stuff. But then around that also comes this idea of genderless pronouns and using those. So uh, one listener wrote in and asked, um, how, can we, um, how can we teach our church and our families and our neighbors that God created humans, male and female, and instituted marriage as a lifelong union between one man and one woman um, so they don't get taken into this, uh, the direction the culture has gone. Um, but he's in, 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 he, it's a much longer question, but he talks about the genderless pronouns of a Z and people, individuals wanting to be called they. Right. So, so how does this, how can we, um, 
love our neighbors well, mm. while also knowing what the direction the culture's going with this thing. Yeah. First of all, can I start by saying that this is a this is a legitimate discussion for well-meaning Christians uh, to disagree on. So I, I just want to say that, and by that by that I, I mean, uh, we all recognize that God makes male and female. Yeah. The question is not that. The question is, should you honor someone's request that you call them what they want to be called? So I, I would say you can say yes and no to that and be a faithful Christian. Really. M- I, I, I would say that. Okay. Um, I think that we, so I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up because uh, there's no, I don't think there's any biblical demand that I do that. If you, if you want to call yourself a particular name, uh, I don't know, you, you want to change your name to Joe, for example. So mm-hmm. Paul, go, Paul becomes Joe. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going everyone's gonna to follow your desire to follow that name. Uh, you, you can do it on your birth certificate even. Yeah. So the idea itself, the challenge itself, uh, I think you can disagree about, about it. I, there's arguments to be made in favor of, of calling somebody by their given gender. By given, I mean by God. Uh-huh. Okay? And there's arguments to be made by just honoring what they want to be called. Yeah, but just so, so, push against you. Okay, okay so, so here's the thing. Let's, mm-hmm. let's fight. Let's mm-hmm. debate this, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to take the side of, of saying that we should just call people what they want to be called. So fight me. Go ahead, Ezra. See, here's my point. I think by, uh, by calling the I, – I, I hear your argument saying, hey, it may be honoring to the person to call them what they want to be called, but that person may perceive you as being in agreement with his choices, which you may not be. Yeah, I just don't know if it's the. <clears throat> I don't know if fighting somebody over their name is something that I would necessarily want to do. So, I, in other words, I, I if I'm meeting you for the first time and you say to me, <clears throat> "My name is," you're cl- you're clearly a man, and you're saying, "My name is Joanne." My name is Joanne. I I'm probably going to say hi, Joanne, to you. <clears throat> in the same way that I would say hi to if you said my name was you know Hercules or my name but is is the, some is the, star stardust or so whatever star start that was just on a, something I watched I, I know stardust what was it? <laughs> anyway anyway uh, you threw me off anyway uh, but the but isn't it a little different when we go from names though to pronouns like he and she or z and zay and they. Right, Call, calling one individual a, a plural pronoun. But if I have a t- okay, so, but if I have a student in a class, for example, and that particular person wants to be called by whatever or not use a program, pronoun, I, I have no problem just calling you your last name. Like I have no problem saying that to you, Siemens. Right? True. Whatever. It, that's no, not I a mean, problem. No, I mean teachers do that all the time. <laughs> so I, I'm mm-hmm. just saying there are ways for me to accommodate you. And your particular viewpoint. Not that I don't agree with your viewpoint on your on your on your. Uh, what do you sexuality. mean by accommodate? I mean accommodate your desire to be called something else, not accommodate necessarily your viewpoint on the world. I don't agree with your viewpoint on the world, but there's lots of people I don't agree with their viewpoint on the world. In your accommodation, will you will you be understood as saying, "Hey, I'm accommodating you," but not necessarily in agreement <clears throat> with your worldview? Uh, the Jordan Peterson, who was the University of Toronto professor that got into this debate mm-hmm. over Bill, still Bill's is. and still is and Bill's C sixteen, his concern was 
that the government is mandating what we must say. Right. And so he would right. say that this is a bigger issue and this is a freedom of speech so issue. So I'm not, yeah. but, but okay, but there's a difference between what I'm saying here <clears throat> what he's fighting against. Because what he's fighting against, I agree with. I don't think that this should be a mandated thing. When, okay, the moment so let's, we start finish, make, let's finish talking about what you're talking about and then go to that. Because right. I think that's an important thing too. Yeah. So what I'm talking about is when, when you meet somebody, to accommodate their viewpoint on what their name is going to be, to me, is just inconsequential. You can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. It doesn't change the reality about who you actually are or what... Do you understand? It's what if, not going to change it. It's what gonna, if I want to be called Lord Steiger? Well, you do want to be called Lord Steiger, <laughs> right? But would you call only me if that? You, only if you wear a, a helmet if, like Darth Vader. Listen, if it was a, such a, if it was such a case that you, that you were so angry by me not calling you Lord Steiger... Okay, and and especially if we had just met each other, of course I would call you Lord Steiger. What if I wanted to be called? <laughs> See, you're getting goofy now. This is well, good. Well, what if I wanted to be called an idiot, or which well, you I, already call I me? I know that's <laughs> that's not much of a jump for me. Or I wanted to use an even more pejorative term for myself. Right. So there are some phrases that's degrading, that are, like a cuss word. Yeah. Or yeah. Something. Or even worse. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I'm going to say that there are going to be some limits to what it is that I'm going to call you because the culture at large is going to limit those things in terms of the, I, I find that, wor- that word that you're asking me to call you is a derogatory word and you're just doing it to mess around in that regard. But the people who are asking you to call them by a different gender usually struggle with some level of gender dysphoria. And I, I'm not justifying their choice of, of sexuality. I'm, I'm, I'm not. You, I could be accused of inadvertently doing so. So yes, but I'm doing that for the sake of hospitality mm. and saying there are lots of things that I would invite somebody to come to my house and, and, and uh, I'm trying to think if there's a correspondent. There's lots of things if you came to my house and that I wouldn't agree with you, but I would go along with just for the sake of uh, the beginnings of a relationship, mm. I think. I'm very happy to be corrected on this. Yeah, no, I th- I think you're. I agree in terms of the name thing. Like, if you meet somebody on the street and you've met them, or at church or whatever, for the first time, and it's, I mean, there people can have different names. I mean, there's there's people that have names now that never even used to be a name, mm-hmm. right? Like they're they're items, right? Or or you never know what what somebody's going to be named. So to call them by a name. I don't have an I don't have an issue with. I think that is part of just loving that person well and and trying to uh, create a um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not just sure. a, a relationship, hospitable, a friendly, yeah, hospitable. Yeah. Thank you, uh, relationship with that person. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't need to agree with everything. Yes, I, I'm not tacitly approving of everything that you believe right. in by calling you that. But if you said right. if Andy if you came to me and said my name is Carol. Tomorrow, I, I would, I would because you and I know each other. I would ask you some questions on why you changed your name to Carol. But if we just met each other, I would just I, I don't feel obligated. I, I don't feel the need to offend you unnecessarily on that particular level prior to getting to know you. I I would agree with you on the name thing as well. I yeah. think though that what's being debated is a bigger topic than so. Yeah, let's get into because the legal I know thing girls that, that are named Andy or you know what I mean like right. Well, I just ordered two or a, a commentary. From an old theologian named Meredith Klein. Yeah, that's a man. A guy. And then there's also an old theologian named Lorraine Bettner. That's yeah. also a man. Yeah. So <laughs> you've got yeah. you've got some funny stuff with names going on. But Andy, you were talking about the the legal issues. 
well, surrounding some of this now? I think there's two things. I think there's the legal issue, but I also think there's the pronoun issue of what you're being man uh, pronouns you're being yeah. legislated to use. So the government has, <clears throat> in my view, the government has no right to dictate speech. I, I actually am am quite Western in my view. There, I don't think the government can can outlaw certain certain speech. I I, I get I struggle a little bit with. Uh, with equating certain words with hate crimes. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting that those words are not inflammatory to, to certain groups. Right. But I think that the price we pay as, as a society is for, for freedom of speech is that some people are going to use that freedom to hurt other people. We try <clears throat> to uh, publicly uh, say that's not, we don't talk that way, Right. But I don't think you, I don't I don't think you can mandate that politically. I just law, laws that try to limit people's speech have always been a real challenge. Now, when I say that, you know, there's some expressions. Of course, I'm the guy who thinks that it's if you if you want to walk down the street and have a pride parade and you go through the legal processes in order to have that pride parade, uh, and and you're going to be peaceful about it and these sorts of things, then okay, that's fine. I don't love the pride parade. But go ahead. I also think that Christians that gather together should have the legal right to walk down the streets and hold signs that say that we love Jesus. See, and I that, think that Sikhs who get together should be able to do that. I think that Muslims who get together should be able to worship. I, I, I actually believe that the best society is one where we treat people the way God treats people, right? He causes the rain to fall and the just mm-hmm. and unjust alike. And yeah. so I don't I'm, – I'm okay with, with, all, with all of that. Some people are offended by the gay pride parade. Uh-huh. Some people would be offended by the Christian parade just because they think that the Christians don't hold their sexual ethic. Right. Do, do you understand? Like, yeah, to use the, the, the analogy you're using, I think what's happening in the government right now and the bill that's being passed is basically saying, hey, when the, the gay pride parade is happening, you need to attend it. Hey, yeah. when that Christian parade's happening, you need to attend or, it. Or you, you need to, yeah, no, you're right. Because it's not just, it's not just you need to keep, keep your mouth shut about it. You need to actually use language that affirms it. That's, yeah. that's the challenge. And that's the, that's the challenge. So you're being forced to actually do something that endorses the, the so I, I, is this law C8, C, C16? C16 is, from what I understand, it's in Ontario it is. In, I, I, it's, I think it's still in the courts, so it hasn't been put in right put into law yet. From if I, I'm still a little behind on it. So right. I was reading this a couple of weeks ago. It's the no. It's this is the federal government. This isn't provincial. So this would be a real for me a real challenge. I don't know the details of the law. Uh, I'm assuming that there that one would be able to speak. I'm, I'm assuming that the way they do this would say that anywhere in the public square. But however you define that would be would be illegal for you to not affirm someone's chosen gender. Is that fair enough? That's my understanding. And to which Jordan Peterson would mm-hmm. say, "What's happening when you do that?" Which is this is unique in that you know normally with freedom of speech, it's what you can't say. You know, this is what you must say, right. which is unique in of itself. But the problem is, is what takes place when you take away freedom of speech is you now lose the ability to debate with one another. Right. You Now all of a sudden ideas can't be out in the open. Ideas get shoved under you know, the cultural carpet, if you will, and they're allowed to fester until you have explosions, which usually erupt in violence. Well, what ends up happening is the people in power, in political power, end up exercising their speech laws on everybody else. 
right? So this is a criticism, I think, that could have been leveled at the Christian church for a long time, that because the church had, in the culture, was sort of the cultural chaplain, they ended up exercise, They ended up endorsing certain speech and 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 uh, legislating other speech other ways. Although not very often, right? People were still able in Western societies to say what they largely wanted to say. But this is a turn. This is a turn toward fascism, if you ask yeah, me. It is. And and what you've what you've ended up doing is saying that the only kinds of thoughts, expressed thoughts anyway, that are legal, are the expressed thoughts of this particular. Uh, and I'm not. I don't. I don't want to use the word majority, even though they would use that. It, it's it's a particular powerful minority of people who who currently hold political sway over the over the nation. That when you start passing laws like this, it it's very very dangerous, and and it's dangerous for the very people who you are passing the laws to benefit because by doing it, you're you're actually. You know, the reason that Trump got elected in the United States is because of this very thing, that people actually, after a while, get tired of being told what to think. Yep. And then they respond in stupid ways, in horrible ways. Whereas you, if you just let them be and let them have their viewpoints, as backward as you might think they are, as sideways, as whatever, the culture and society at large, we, 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 can, we can try to live in relative peace together. See, this is the interesting part, isn't it? That what's happening in our culture is the very thing that they didn't, like you know that led to it it's it's like coming back on itself they that you've got this community that doesn't want to be legislated how they should you know talk or act or or think but they want to legislate to the rest of us how we should talk act and think right because they have political power at at this at this point which is so interesting you know we would separate ourselves in the united states and canada and the west from the rest of the world, and we'd say, oh, we're a bit more enlightened in the way that we do politics and stuff. And yet, I mean, the way we're talking about this, I'm quite sure that Ezra, this is kind of what happens in, in lots of countries around the world, that when some, one party gets political power, they try to bury the other <laughs> the other party, the places I've been, and other places, it's like that. It, it does, <clears throat> we think we're, we think we're the, we're exceptions to that. No, 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 we're, we're not like that. We're kind to, to our opponents. It's not the case. But you see the thing, <laughs> So I'm sitting here and listening. Okay, so there's this freedom of speech. Now, you guys will have to educate me and correct me here. So I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, okay, so if we champion, so we're championing freedom of speech is a good thing, but there are certain certain things that would never be tolerated in in, in the marketplace, like said. Legally. Legally. So, for instance, if, if, uh, so if you have a Muslim imam who's a fanatic and and he begins to to preach his fanatism what he would preach in saudi arabia or whatever mm-hmm. in the in uh, public he would never do that here okay but but i think he should Why? be able to mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying is that he should be able to say that in the marketplace mm-hmm. you don't need to agree with him mm-hmm. right right he can get his megaphone and he can say the things that he wants to say in the marketplace people don't need to listen to him and they don't need to agree with him they can even verbally debate him in the same marketplace and try to show that he is not right. Uh, will that devolve at points into yelling matches? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, yes, it will. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that we shut up one of the parties? No, I don't, think, I don't think that that's the way that we should go about it. Now, listen, I, I have kind of a, I, that's my point. I have a theological background here. I don't think that's the way that God treats those who blaspheme him. Mm. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, he will be the, the judge. But you and I are not the judge of uh, of those things at this point. In this present moment, he causes the rain to fall on yes, the just but, and unjust. But alike. I will say though, I will say though, with God, if you blaspheme, he will hold you to account for what you say. Right. Saying. But I'm not God, and the government is not God, and I don't uh-huh. think that the government needs to hold people to to account over what they say in the public square. I think that there are horrible things that people do say in the public square. And that there are consequences to those actions, but Jeff, uh, financially why, and otherwise. Yeah, but really why are. does but why does God give the government the sword then? Well, why in that passage in Romans thirteen, so that they might execute justice? My uh-huh. question, my question ultimately is: is this is this the point at which the government is responsible to execute justice over thoughts that people have that might not that might not be in line? I, I'm not. I don't believe in theo- in a theocracy. Until Jesus returns, right? So uh, we don't live in—I don't live in a theocratic Israel, and so I—I I, I think that we're—if we did, I would agree with you, mm. right? But we don't, and so in the meantime, we live under foreign powers, and we're aliens and strangers. And I think, as aliens and strangers, we should understand—we should hope for governments that allow us to the free exercise of our religion, mm-hmm. and we should champion mm-hmm. others. Or champ- champion the rights of others who don't agree with us. For the right of a Muslim to practice their faith or build a mosque on the corner, be- because that also is is an opportunity for us to build a church on the corner. Mm-hmm. Do, do you understand? Totally. So I don't want to silence them, even if you know the Satanists come along and say we want to build a church over in that corner. And I think that they're wicked and awful, yeah. but I also think they should be able to build a church on the corner. Yeah, which yeah. sounds horrible. That well, does sound horrible. <laughs> but it's interesting. It's when we've stopped that, too, that things have, have gotten worse, you know? It, it's, it's when you make them the martyr as well is that, that they, they'll even grow even more. Uh, am, I, am I making sense here to you? Like, yeah. I mean, this is how it's, we even worked with the church. It's when the church has been suppressed that the church has grown the most. Right. But you can see this with other groups of people. When you suppress them— they take they they take this underground and instead of being debated in the marketplace where they can be shown that it's a bad idea or that this isn't good, mm-hmm. and instead it festers underground. Right, and 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 reasoned reasoned discourse and good logic yes aren't entertained and aren't shown to be able to win the day. Instead, the the powerful hand of the law, who in whoever's hands it currently it is. It ends up showing that, the, in other words, the way you silence your critics is not through reason and through and through good argumentation. The way you silence your critic, or uh, with a search for the truth, the way you silence your critics is just by sheer force. Yep. And I don't want to live in a society where that's the case. Can I? No. Have you seen the Have you seen the um, documentary that was made on when Doug Wilson went to the University of Yeah Indiana you know, Indiana Yeah called Free the Free Speech Apocalypse. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's online. I think you can watch it yep. online. Um, it's worth the watch because Doug Wilson's a Christian, conservative Christian uh, author, speaker, pastor, and he went into the University of Indiana to talk about the Christian. He was invi- sexual He was ethic. invited by the Veritas Forum there, I think, or a Christian group yes. on campus, basically, to yeah. come in and to talk about this issue from a reasoned point of view. Yeah. Uh, and so, and he's happy to sit and talk with people who oppose him, and to have that conversation, to have mm-hmm. that reasoned conversation. But mm-hmm. his opponents refused to have the reasoned conversation, well, they and they just they, sc- they screamed in and, scream and they and demanded and, that their administration, who mm-hmm. held the power of the over the campus, bar him entry. Yeah, which 
which I, I struggle with. Now, I totally. listen, I again, though, I have no problem with them acting like they did toward him in the sense that they should have the freedom of dissent. Was it reasoned? No. No. Right. And here's what happened in the public forum then. See, this is, this is what happened. This is the, all, everybody's looking at, at what happened to Doug Wilson on the University of Indiana campus. It's looking at it and saying, these people who are fighting back against him have no rationale to do so, or at least, they're not, they, at least they haven't marshaled any arguments to fight back. They're just screaming at him. And everyone instinctively, when they see that, thinks, surely you have arguments. He's, he's marshalling arguments. Surely you have arguments. And so when we see it, we, want to see, we don't want to see the yelling match. What the rest of us want to see and be compelled by is the arguments. And that's why the free speech and the dialogue that it fosters in the, in the, in the marketplace can, leads to a better society, yes. I think, as yeah. a whole. Yeah. Or, or else what happens is you just have whatever group has the most power right. is the one that's going to win the day. Right, and so here's the right. thing that I'm, as, a, as an American, okay, here, one of the differences that I've noticed, and I'm looking at Andy now, cause, and maybe Ezra as well, because like, the three of us mm-hmm. didn't, are not native-born Canadians. Mm-hmm. So the difference between the United States and Canada, one of them, is that in the United States, the assumption is that you are going to assimilate to being whatever American is, right? Melting pot. So that's the image that was used for years. We are, we are a melting pot. And by that means that if you're Italian and you become, come to the United States, the expectation is that over time you're going to drop your Italianness, and and you're going to pick up Americanness, whatever that is. This is taught, by the way, in, right. in element, oh, it from is. elementary on. As mm-hmm. a kid, you pledge allegiance to the flag mm-hmm. that you're an American first. Yep. And then you're whatever, what, whatever background you have after that. You're an American Korean. Mm. You're an American Italian. You're an American. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Canada has been not like that for me. Uh, um, my, my experience in Canada is that multiculturalism is a, is a value here such that... It's an official government. Right. That you... Federal When, doc- you, when you come here, the attitude is... Policy. Listen, you hold on to your culture. We'll even... I mean, even if you're French, we'll even print it all in you, in, in that language for you. Or if, if you're... I mean, no one is trying to force someone who speaks Cantonese to speak English. It might be frustrating when you want to go... And get you know something at a shop where a Cantonese person is or somebody's speaking Cantonese, but the expectation here is that you don't have to assimilate that much. You don't have to be Canadian at all in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so here, so it's weird for me, quite honestly, that a law like this is trying to be passed in Canada. I would expect a law like this to be in the United States because it's kind of an assimilation law, but, right? You have to hold the viewpoints. But here in Canada, but it's this is happening. But I, for me, I understand it. I would understand it this way. Even going through the citizenship uh, documentation and study mm-hmm. and exam and whatever, uh, the the. Um, the thing that kept on being mentioned constantly was Canada, we are culture of minorities, culture of minorities, mm-hmm. culture of minorities. And therefore, we champion the rights of the minority. So we speak for the, uh, for, for the minority, we champion their rights and their freedoms and so on. So I am not surprised that a law like this is being considered in Canada because mm-hmm. we are culture of minorities and we champion the rights of the minority. That's what Canada is. And so even if you have like a small group of maybe 50 or 100 people who might go down to Ottawa and champion their being oppressed because of this, that, and the other, uh, nine times the government will listen 
and there'll be something that'll be done toward it because we are cultural minorities and we champion. But they'll right. legislate mm. it. So oh, it's yeah. one thing for you to say that as oh, a culture yes. we value that sort of thing, but as a yeah. as a government, yes. we, we actually are going to be inclusive of all different view all different viewpoints. Given 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 the message that is passed on and communicated to new people who are becoming citizens of this nation, to be consistent then for them would be to go this far. Hmm. It's interesting. Well, it makes be, you wonder. My, my when, opinion. It makes you wonder when Christ, the Christian voice gets heard. Like when do we become the minority? Well, and now all of a sudden we'll. we'll I, think, ha- I think in the late late modernity, which is what we're in right mm-hmm. now, I think that I think that we are still in a in a point in in the West where where there is a perceived re- rejection of Christianity and all of its cultural you know forces, and so it's the only thing that you can be like openly hostile toward. Is Christianity is is Christianity because it was what somehow governed us for years, and we we've moved past that. And look at the horrible world that we have with all these minorities, and by minorities, not just racial, uh, which is interesting because the Christian Church has historically been so multiracial, mm. right? And that's the, the heartbeat of the gospel there. But but about people who uh, would have historically been seen as sexual deviants are now you know. Their, their rights are to being champions to you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like to be, but you should, you should not view us as being immoral. You should view us as being moral. Mm. So yeah, it's an interesting discussion and it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It'll be hard for Christians, for us to, to wade through these. This is a bit of a minefield as you walk through this yeah. situation. Yeah. Right. And it should be hard for us because uh aliens man as yeah exactly and as we look at what our culture is doing with the all the sexual ethics that the culture is um putting forward and the the championing uh but some christians are not finding it that hard they're just going along with it and uh, one recent one is a name that many of you women especially if you're a gen xer i think and you're involved in social media and you read blog posts uh, the name of Jen Hatmaker will be popular to you. You probably have heard it. You probably have friends who follow her on Facebook and Twitter and all that. She has more followers than somebody like John Piper, who's a very well-known preacher and author and pastor. And yet Jen Hatmaker and her husband, I don't Brandon, know. I don't know who she is. Who is she? I'm about to say. Oh, sorry. So I, thought Hatt- moving, I thought you were moving on. I just on. said she was a... Uh, oh, okay. They were okay. And her husband, Brandon, is a pastor of a church in Texas. In Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. which I believe is culturally liberal, it is the for, most, especially it, for Texas. It's the most liberal town in uh, in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and they have recently changed their stance on uh, homosexual marriage, and they believe that homosexual marriage is good and can be holy in the eyes of God if it is between is it a monogamous lifelong commitment between two people of the same sex. You still haven't told me who she is. I told you she's, she's an a, author she's and speaker and blogger. Like, she's she's like one of the one of the ladies. If you went to you a women, to if you went to a women's conference, because I didn't. Uh, so <laughs> were you here? <laughs> so so like she's a well-known Christian speaker. Very well-known. Yes, blogger, speaker. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She's she's got a very. If you ask, if you ask Crystal, yeah. if you ask Crystal Taves, our pastor of women here at Northview, about Jen Hatmaker and if she's popular, she would go, oh yeah. You bet she is. A so lot of women listen to Jen. She's Hamaker. changed her mind recently, and so yeah, so they've changed their mind. Um, 
And uh, we've had a listener write in and ask if we can shed some more light on the subject of homosexuality as a sin. Because the hat makers, from their angle that they're coming from, they're saying that, well, it, that we're, under, we're misunderstanding it because when homosexuality is mentioned in the Bible, that it's always under the, the, um, the understanding that this is an abusive situation. Yeah. And it's, the Bible doesn't talk about okay, non-abusive homosexuality. That's not true. So here's, I know it's here, not. here's the thing. Is <laughs> but that they say it is. That, that so this is the our... way you get out from underneath what the Bible says here, is that you end up trying to say that it's speaking to specific cultural situations that were happening in the first century without any view toward what was toward homosexuality as we understand it today. So the, the, the clear teaching of the Bible, there's nowhere in the Bible where homosexuality, homosexual acts are condoned or spoken positively about. At every point in the Bible— they are spoken about in partnership with idolatry, with a series of other sins, with in vice lists, all sorts of things. So there's not a single positive right. word that is said about homosexuality right. in the Bible. So the challenge now that you have is that you have to uh, undo all, not just the text, but the entire sway of the scriptures, which start with a story about a man and a woman in a garden, right? And God made them male and female. And do, do you understand? Yeah. So... You have to undo an awful lot. And so the way that that revisionists are doing this, right, which is the way people are trying to revise what the Bible teaches about, the way that they do it, one of the ploys that is utilized here is to try to say, well, the Bible is an occasional book, meaning that the Bible speaks to particular occasions, you know, like the church in Corinth had certain situations happening in it, and the church in Ephesus had certain things happening to it, and the pastoral epistles is writing to that pastor in Ephesus. He had certain which is issues, true. and they're all true. Yeah. But all of their all, what they're saying on these contentious issues is limited to that setting, and then they try to construct some historical background of that setting that, quite honestly, nobody, very very few people in the history of the Christian Church have ever argued before. So, in other words, we construct a historical background that says, well, you know, the that pederasty, which is man boy love, mm-hmm. uh, is was very popular in those days. So. It, it's quite obvious that any time the, the words uh, for homosexuality are used, that what's meant is actually that man-boy love. It's not talking about you know, monogamous homosexual unions for a long time. And these people in these first centuries, they, they would never even know about that. They don't know about, about orientation the way we understand orientation. See what I've done here? I've constructed it to say that what they were addressing and condemning was something abusive, something bad, not the thing itself, but the abuse of the thing. The problem is none of these texts are limited in that way. None, none of them are. And the same kinds of approaches aren't being utilized to explain the words that are around those. Around those. So in a vice list, you'll get, you know, God hates this, 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 you know, uh, you know homosexual acts. You'll have a whole bunch of things. They don't, they don't follow this, this hermeneutical guideline in trying to understand the word adultery, for example, or, right. or, or greed, right. or whatever, they think that those statements are broad, having to do with sins that for all time God has been against. Mm-hmm. Because, hey, look at the rest of the Bible. God's always against greed. Yeah, but he's also always against homosexual acts everywhere in the Bible. Yeah. This is a non-starter. And it, it, it's actually, uh, the, the reason that so many people who, the, the reason that so many people who, who look at the Bible and take it seriously, and have rejected the Bible mm-hmm. on this point is because they understand the Bible teaches what 
you and I are going to saying that it teaches. It, it condemns homosexual acts as sinful. Mm-hmm. So they're, they, they're saying, yeah, you're right. It condemns homosexual acts as sinful. The church has always believed that. It's absolutely right. That's the Bible stupid. So they reject it. But there are these people now who want to kind of go halfway. They still want to, they want to say, hey, I'm still a Christian. I'm still involved in, like, I have a high view of Scripture, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to hold this viewpoint uh, while saying, oh, I can still, so I can affirm the high view of Scripture and make the Bible say something that all these people who have rejected the Bible are saying as well. Yeah. Cake. And eat it too. Yeah. And I, I just gonna be honest. I think, I think it's, it's, it's inconsistent. In, in, in a horrible sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, in just so many ways, is it inconsistent? One, it's inconsistent hermeneutically. But then, and, and as you know, like when you take a look at hermeneutics in the Bible, you look at, you can look at a specific case, but then as you were talking about, Jeff, you look at the whole thrust of the Bible. What is the, what is the Bible teaching? And you see this from beginning and end, what the Bible's teaching is that man and women were made for each other and right. that they have a purpose. They have a complementary function. Yeah, and I use the good word. Uh, well, mm-hmm. I'm using the lang- language of complementary function. Because the word function, the idea of function, is what Paul points to in Romans chapter 1 when he condemns homosexuality. He's not, he's not condemning it because it's abusive. Mm-hmm. He's condemning it because it, it, it's not natural in the sense of function. They, they, they rejected the natural function yes. for that which is unnatural. Those are, that's the, that, those are the that's words the of the text. Yeah. Mm. So in the end, God made it to function in a particular way. I got an email after yeah. I preached this sermon about Romans one, just this last while. And this, this person who emailed me was very, very frustrated. They said, you know, you seem like an, a relatively intelligent person, mm-hmm. uh, for you to, to be so misguided in using language like function to talk about this issue is just surprising to me. And I don't understand. And so I responded by saying, it's not my word. That's, that's the apostle Paul's word. So you might think that he's a fool for using it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But you're in a situation now where you have two options. One, accept that he is an apostle who is speaking the very words of God mm-hmm. and see that as being God's view on the matter mm-hmm. or rejecting it wholesale. Right. What you don't have an option to do is to redefine him to say, well, actually, what you're saying here is something that clearly he's not saying because the mm-hmm. words don't mean that. And that's the problem. They don't want to... Uh to go that route because if they do well then it's going to undermine the entire bible right right and and ultimately jen hatmaker's ministry because mm-hmm. she's not again again one of the the interesting parts in this whole debate is uh here so here's somebody who's saying well no homosexual acts are fine as long as they're in a monogamous mm-hmm. uh lifelong mm-hmm. partnership and i i want to cry foul and say why 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 monogamous right why, why lifelong well, because these verses in the Bible say that those are all occasional verses that speak to particular situations. Yeah, if you want to use their logic. But again, it's the, the logic and the hermeneutical approach is an acid that eats That's through right. the faith. So th- this is this is to everyone who's listening. I, I don't want to be overly stark. There are there are debatable issues in the scriptures and trying to understand what the Bible has to say. I I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, this is not one of them. And here's, here's one of the things I always throw in there. I find it interesting that we all cannot be homosexual. We can all be heterosexual, but we cannot all be homosexual. 
Well, the Explain. species would die. That's what, the species would die. Yeah, right. there you go. Right. You have you got to have one generation of it. Right. That's it. Well, the argumentation too from people who are affirming it, once you remove it from the scriptures too is very interesting because they're they're arguing uh, their own kind of biological imperative as well. I don't know if you know this. A lot of the science here, the, one of the key arguments people will make is you know there's certain kinds of frogs that turn homosexual or you, like th- there will be some biological. Hey, look it, in our in our ancestry in our biological ancestry. There are these these animals that have done this. So so, ergo, homosexuality has always been around, not as the major form of things, but it's always been around as a subgroup, even in our in our in our evolutionary background. So I find this an interesting argument because essentially you're you're arguing essentially what Paul's arguing. He's just saying no evolutionary background. That's nonsense. There's a God who made. Right. And the God who made had had certain vision for it, but these folks are arguing that there's some sort of biological imperative, which you don't get, by the way, if you're a Darwinian and naturalist. There is no such yeah. thing as imperative, but they're arguing from that the same the same way. They're just kind of copycatting the the argument of the scriptures, but replacing uh, naturalistic biology with God, or the other way around. Anyway, good fun. Yeah. No, this has been a great conversation. If you guys have any, or if you listeners, guys and girls, if all of you have more questions, please send them into the extra or to extra at northview.org, and we will try to get to them as soon as we can. So this is the last podcast of the year. Uh, we have so it's been great being together, doing this with you guys, or doing this for you guys every year, and uh, hanging out with you guys around the table. So. Hope you guys all have a Merry Christmas. There is a special Christmas Happy edition coming out. Uh, and just before we go, one more announcement quickly. We have our Christmas Eve services coming up. Uh, there are a whole bunch of them happening here in Abbotsford. Uh, starting at noon, I believe, Jeff. Is that right? The first one? 12, 130, 3, 430, 6, 7, 30. 30. All right. 9, 10, 30. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> 24 hours straight. We're no, just going to Just do. kidding. And then in Mission. And then Mission. Ezzy, what do you got over there? Yeah, we have, uh, it would be 3 and 430. Awesome. Yeah, two services in Mission. Right. And then because Christmas is falling on the Lord's Day this year. Jeff and Ezra will be preaching at their respective campuses. Jeff will be preaching here in Abbotsford at 5.30 Christmas Day. And Ezra will be leading the service over in Mission at 10 a.m. on Christmas Day. That's right. Good. Well, it's been great this year. Thanks, guys. And Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you all. And we will see, or you will hear us all again. Merry Christmas, Paul. Merry Christmas, Andy. Feliz Navidad, Ezra. Yeah, Feliz. Can you sing that, that song the, as, we, uh, as we go out? Please. Who? 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 You, how, do you, how, do you say, how do you say Merry Christmas in Swahili? Skukunjema. He doesn't know. Skukunjema. No, he doesn't know. Skukunjema. That's not how you how say it. How did I say it? Skukunjema. It's not a language. He's just messing up. Skukunjema. I want to wish you a Skukunjema. I want to wish you a Skukunjema. Oh, my word. All right, guys. 